take calculated risks. It'll work out. He got sick of doing consulting for one of the big guys and said, you know what? I heard this weird arbitrage story on Beats headphones. I'm going to go do it myself. He found a niche where it basically said, okay, these power tools are selling for 250 bucks on eBay. I can sell them for 300 on Amazon. He built a script to basically help run that system and did many, many thousands and thousands and thousands of units uh, across many different industries, power tools, DVD, cassette players, etc. cetera. Uh, then some policy changes happened on Amazon. He had to basically shut that down because he didn't want to deal with the additional complexity. Now building a consulting business called Austin Data Solutions here in Austin, Texas. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. They had no money when they started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Alex Kilka. He's an intellectually curious life hacker, software developer, and small business owner based in downtown Austin. He was a formerly a management consultant at Accenture, and he currently runs Austin Data Solutions, a five-person consultancy specializing in solving business problems with some of the latest technologies. Alex, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready to take you to the top. All right, man. All right, so tell me what that means, uh, uh, specializing in solving business problems with the latest technology. What does uh, your data solutions company do? Um, so we do a combination of like data analysis, diving into people's like survey results, trying to figure out what our customers actually complaining about using natural language processing. Um, we also do like optical image recognition and we're working on some other technologies, um, for like, a a coffee company specifically, um, they got some interesting logistics problems. And so we're trying to figure out, you know, what's emerging out there, um, and what can we piece together to solve their solutions in a way that's like simpler and, and more scalable than what they've had in the past. And it is a consultancy. You're charging some fee per project and you have a team of five that helps you execute. Exactly. Okay. And now what were, I mean, what got you into this? What were you doing before this? Um, well, I was originally in consulting and then um, I left to you know, work on a lifestyle project, um, which I think is what you want to talk about a little bit. On yeah, this tell, tell, yeah. Tell me more about that. Um, sure. So, um, you know, life as a consultant, um, you know, right out of uh, graduate school was not very um, fulfilling. It was a lot of work, a lot of um, travel and something I decided I didn't want to do full term, full time um, or long term. But um, through that process, I met some interesting people. And um, one of the people I met told me this story. He was selling some Beats headphones um, that he had gotten as a gift. And he looked on Amazon and they're going for maybe you know, $300. He looked on eBay. They're going for like $250. And so he sold his pair on Amazon. And um, interestingly enough, he decided to just leave up that listing. And he kept selling more and more pairs. And he'd just go over to eBay and type in uh, the address of whoever bought it from him and shipped it directly to them and started pocketing this difference. So just um, to be clear, he sold his Beats headphones for 300 bucks on Amazon but saw them selling for 250 on eBay. So he just left his Amazon listing up. And every time a new order came in for 300 on Amazon, he would just go buy one for 250 and put in the buyer's email from or the shipping address <laughs> from Amazon. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't remember the exact numbers, but that was the gist of it. That's funny. Um, which I thought, wow, this is, you know, what an interesting idea. Um, I didn't realize such arbitrage opportunities existed between these two marketplaces. Um, so we kind of talked about it and thought, well, this could be an easy way to make some money. You know, let's find a way to write a script to identify these opportunities and then somehow automatically execute on them. People would argue that was just a unique thing with one Beats headphone. I mean, if someone's listening to this right now, could they this weekend go find one of these manually, like one of these arbitrage opportunities on some product and just start doing it? Um, well, I mean, it, I'm not sure how much of a you know needle in a haystack it was. Um, I think he was lucky to find such a big discrepancy um, at that, at that moment in time. And this was like, you know, three, four years ago. Um, so perhaps uh, the markets are a little more efficient since then. Um, but I think there are still opportunities like that across the board. If you know how to look for them, especially if you're able to programmatically look for them. I was going to say, so you're not doing any more anymore, which means I can hit you hard and get all the details since you shut it down. <laughs> so what were some of the assumptions you built into your tech to help you comb programmatically and look for these arbitrage plays? Um, well, some of the assumptions, um, Oh, gosh. Uh, I think we, we assume that an item on eBay, an item on Amazon, you know, if it's the same listing, it's going to be the same item. Um, and Wait, what do you mean by that? Well, um, for example, um, you know, some items have product numbers. Some items have very specific product numbers. So if you go to an Apple store and you look at the back of the box, you know, there might be a, a UPC code or there might be, um, you know, some detailed SKU that you can use. But there are actually a lot of products where it's not very clear on the listings if it's the exact same product. It might look identical, um, but maybe the color is slightly different. Or maybe it's from an old lot and they're selling a new lot. Um, or maybe somewhere buried in the page is, says it's refurbished or it's missing a box. Um, so you know, one challenge is trying to find exact one-to-one -one match so that we knew we were actually arbitraging the same item. Um, so we assumed going into it that that wouldn't be as much of a challenge as it turned out to be. Okay. Um, and then we also assumed that if we're able to successfully arbitrage these opportunities that, yeah, that's it. We buy it on eBay, sell it on Amazon, end of the day. Um, but we didn't realize there's such a human factor as well of, you know, certain vendors not shipping on time or being sketchy and shipping damn, inferior damn quality. Humans. <laughs> or people on the Amazon side deciding to return their products maybe outside of the eBay return window, but still within the Amazon return window. So, so it's like a hot potato. Right. Yeah. So what, what, that's helpful to understand kind of the challenges. Maybe that's why you shut that down. You're doing consulting now. But what, what, what did you tell your program to go look for every morning? Did you only look at electronics at a price point higher than 100 bucks? Like what were some of those factors? Sure. Um, so we um, started off in electronics um, because that's where the initial discovery was. Um, and we set certain parameters, like we needed at least a $5 um, price difference to make it even worthwhile. Um, and then we increased that over time. So, you know, we need to look for a certain spread, um, certain product categories. And what we actually did is we um, scraped the top selling um, in different categories for Amazon. So we look at like the top 100 electronics overall and then kind of dive into top 100, um, you know, like computer products, top 100 um, you know, music products. Um, so forth, and just kind of crawl through the hierarchy. Um, and then as soon as we found the best-selling products on Amazon, then we do lookups on eBay, um, and then pull in potential matches. And then we went through a whole process of, of screening them for fit. Manual humans? Um, it was a combination of Mechanical Turk, yes. 
um, and also um, so a little bit of machine learning where we can um, create a score of how similar the titles are and how similar the pictures are and at least weed out the ones that are clearly not fits. Maybe it's like an accessory for that product on Amazon. Interesting. And and did you do anything in your initial equation to determine if you set up a system to run this particular arbitrage on this particular item, how many times you could do that? Like how much inventory on both sides of that marketplace is there? Um, well, we certainly had to look at um, on the eBay side, you know, are there quantity limits? Um, are, are there only like 10 of these products available? And that was also one challenge is like, you know, they're constantly selling on eBay as well. So how do you keep the inventory counts in sync um, across the marketplaces? And so we had to write a script that not only you know, adjusted the quantities as they started to sell out on eBay, um, but also, you know, the prices might float in both marketplaces. And how do you adjust for that in as close to real time as you can? Okay, so tell me about the biggest kind of golden goose you found while you were doing this. What was the biggest, you know, your friend's thing? It was the Beats headphones. What was your product and what was the spread? Oh, gosh, um, that, that's an easy answer. Um, power tools. Power Absolutely. tools. Power tools. Which one? Um, Milwaukee Power Tools. Why? Um, it's interesting. Um, so some of the biggest challenges we had, again, were vendors not shipping properly, um, customers you know, being uneducated, um, trying to match products across marketplaces. So with Power Tools, you've got great model numbers. It's very consistent. Um, you have like dozens of very high-quality sellers on eBay. Um, you have customers who typically are more like the power buyers, you know, they, it's not their first power tool they've ever owned. So they know what they're looking for. Um, and for some reason, there's still a great arbitrage opportunity between the marketplaces. It doesn't matter whether you're a startup or a huge brand. We all want to grow, but some of us don't have all the tools or the people power to get it done. That's exactly why 37,000 brands are now using Adderall. Can you guys believe that? 37,000. They help brands find more shoppers, make more sales, and grow their online business. Adderall takes care of the nuts and bolts of digital marketing, so brands like TeePublic have more time, less stress, and huge growth. TeePublic sells clothes online if you haven't heard of them. During the holidays, they decide to make a huge investment in digital ads and the guy running their marketing, Adam Lasky, knew it was a make or break moment for him. And the investment paid off big time. TeePublic was able to beat sales targets by 2x, delivering massive revenue and making Adam the hero who could go on and tackle more ambitious goals. And he's not the only one. Adderall customers make $246 billion worth of sales every year. Make sure you partner with folks who are proven to help make you money, like Adderall. To see how brands like TeePublic grow faster with Adderall, visit Adderall.com slash top. That's A-D-R-O-L-L dot com slash top, T-O-P. So name one that you found. It was selling for X price on Amazon and you got it for X price on eBay. Um, I mean, yeah, a typical sale, you know, it would sell for maybe two fifty on Amazon and we'd buy it for anywhere one eighty to two ten on eBay. Um, so it was, it was fairly decent margins, especially, you know, the higher ticket items, you have to sell fewer of them and that makes your customer service a little easier. So how many years did you, did you run this kind of arbitrage company? Three years, three years. Okay. So over three years, how many power tools did you sell? Oh gosh. Um, well, I don't have an exact figure for you on that. Definitely more um, than what? <laughs> um, definitely more than a million in sales. Okay. Of, uh, dollar sales. Okay, so um, can we, we can just do a million divided by like 200 bucks or something like that? 
Okay, sure. that's I, what I'm really asking is that wasn't like a one time thing. That wasn't like you found it once, you did it once. No. Got it. Yeah, I mean, just to be clear, volume wise, I mean, if you take a million divided by two hundred bucks a pop, that's like five thousand, you know, power tools that you sold. That's high, high volume. Um, yeah, over time, and when we started off, we had multiple Amazon stores. Um, we initially started off as kind of like a general seller, um, but eventually we found this niche and spun up a, um, a company called Austin Tool Company, and we specifically just focus on power tools. <laughs> you know, we branded as such. Um, I love and this. And dominated the, the segment. This is proof that if you just look hard enough, I mean, you could do what you did with just sweat equity, right? Go find the arbitrage play yourself, manually hunt, click through both marketplaces, and then start codifying it once you find something with scale. I mean, if you sold 5,000 of these things and you bought them for 180 and you sold for two, you know, 240, 230, whatever, that's a minimum $50 spread at five grand you know, volume. You can do the math. That's a, what is that, a quarter million bucks right to you. That's amazing. Well, there's also like um, transaction fees and Amazon takes a cut. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the math can certainly work if you're able to, um, you know, try it in a scalable way. So why'd you shut it down? Um, I decided to shut it down. Um, there was a policy change specifically that made it more difficult. Um, Amazon changed their return um, process. And so now if a customer opens a return with a seller on Amazon, um, they're immediately issued a return label. Um, and that return label is to whatever default address you have in the system. Um, there are some ways you can work around it, specify certain return addresses for certain SKUs, um, but it added a whole lot more complexity. Because what I don't want to do is receive inventory. power tools. Inventory, yeah, in my, in my, my condo. In your, in your apartment, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anywhere to store it. Um, by the time it arrives, it's going to be outside the return window for eBay. Um, and at this point, you know, my other business um, was was growing. In like Ethereum. consulting. Right, so... Um, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So five, okay. Good. Cause that's helpful to understand the power tool thing. What, give me, give us one more example. What was the second best? Um, we sold at one point we sold a lot of DVD players. Um, this was DVD in, players, um, but they were a combination of DVD and cassette players. And I think people wanted to be able to record from one to the other. Um, I'm not sure why that was so popular at the time, but and, really, and give me the spread. What that sell for typically on Amazon and what were you generally able to buy it for on eBay? Um, the price points are a little bit lower. I could probably sell it for 200 on Amazon and, um, buy it for, yeah, 120 to 150 on eBay. Why, you know, Bezos and Amazon pride themselves on always having the cheapest prices. You found something that they goes against what they pride themselves on, which is they're actually priced higher. I mean, this seems like something that they, they'd buy this tech from you in a heartbeat for a lot of money. Cause you're running a real true arbitrage play. Um, and perhaps I'm not sure, you know, I think there are, there are multiple reasons why these opportunities may exist. Um, I mean, from a seller's perspective, eBay is certainly um, easier. So, I mean, you may have more people participating on the eBay platform. Um, Amazon certainly has a higher level of customer service and better user experience. So you may have buyers preferring Amazon. Um, I mean, Amazon certainly they they can make a case for being the lowest price. Um, they're certainly lower than a lot of retail, but I don't I don't even know if they really push that anymore. As um, you know, come to Amazon because we're cheaper than any other online store. Just because know. they have so much volume spread. I mean, I uh, I just was with Davis Smith uh, and Blacks for Virginia giving a keynote. He he did uh, babies dot 
BR in Brazil. And he told, I mean, he got in a wicked price war with Bezos on diapers, where Bezos basically dropped the price <laughs> of diapers to almost nothing, specifically to put babies.br out of business or hurt their diaper sales. I mean, so he waged a serious price war on one. I'm just wondering, I mean, if you have, maybe it's because this arbitrage play, while you made a quarter of a million more doing it, it's just, it's not a big enough arbitrage in the, in the millions or hundreds of millions for them to really take notice. Maybe that's why. Um, that could be. Um, it could be because it's spread across a lot of different products. I do think that um, Amazon does follow up with sellers if you, um, you know, are particularly successful in a certain category. Um, Did they call you? You ask for suppliers and that type of information. Did they call you, Alex? Um, they called me a few different things. <laughs> I had different names for different stores. Um, and actually, one thing we did is we um, made all of our customer service reps uh, female in the email correspondence because people tend to be nicer to them. <laughs> the little things work sometimes. The little things work. All right. So so last question, you're to kind of sum up that business because obviously you're doing consulting. Now you're not doing it anymore. How many just total volume of units you sold? You did about 5,000 power tools altogether. How many units? Altogether, how many units? Um, I'm not sure I've put that number together. Definitely north of what? <laughs> um, over the course of three years. It, it's been a while since I've taken a look at the numbers. Um, if you want, I can follow up after the show and then try to get those for you. Just give me back, like, give me something you're definitely sure it's north of. Like north, north of 10,000. I mean, you did 5,000 power tools. You're definitely north of what? 5,000? Uh, yeah, yeah. Certain, definitely north of 5,000. Um, yeah, per month. I won't hold you to this, by the way. I'm just trying to get it back to the napkin math. <laughs> um, I, I didn't really, I, honestly, I didn't look at it very closely. Okay. What, what were you, you said you had part, a per, you said you had a per month number you're trying to back into. What was that? Um, well, um, on average made four to 6,000 in gross profit per month or four to four to 10, um, depending on holiday season. Yep. Um, so if you do back the envelope, that's still tricky math because you got to multiply up times. If that's like 10% on average per sale, then you got to multiply up and then divide by average sale price. Yeah. Yeah. That's not very clean numbers for you. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's good. That's good. We got some really great examples. This is a good, I just, I wanted to feature this because I think it's a great arbitrage play that anyone can do. If you just look hard enough and you find the right deal. So you're doing consulting now, five people here in Austin, you're helping coffee chains with, with supply, it sounds like supply chain management and other stuff using your tech background, which I think is great. So let's wrap up here uh, with the famous five. Number one, what's the last business book that you read? Um, I just finished one by, um, uh, it's the, the science of when, uh-huh. um, it's a, like a, a, when to book. That's how the author uh, pitches it. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Um, some information in there, like, you know, what's the optimal time of day to do certain types of tasks. Um, you know, when should you um, not have your first meeting? When should you definitely have your first meeting? If you're going to interview, do you want to be the first person or the last person? That's funny. Trust. So That's it's like the science of when, like the timing. Yes. yes. All right. Yes. Number two, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, well, I mean, I, I love seeing Elon Musk here at South by, um, I was at the panel that he decided to crash. Um, so of course he's an inspirational figure. Um, I'm sure you get that answer, you know, hundreds of times. Um, yep. but you know, inspiration guy. Number three, as you're scaling the consulting company, what's your favorite online tool to use? Favorite online tool. Um, we definitely use Asana quite a bit um, to keep track of tasks with the client. Number four, Alex, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I get nine 
hours. That's awesome. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kiddos? Um, I am in a long-term relationship. Okay, so not married, no kiddos. No kiddos. All right, and how, and how old are you? I am 29. All right, last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? <laughs> um, I, w- I would say just, you know, don't let fear hold you back. You know, take calculated risks. Uh, it'll It'll work out. Guys, there you have it from Alex. Take calculated risks. It'll work out. He got sick of doing consulting for one of the big guys and said, you know what? I heard this weird arbitrage story on Beats headphones. I'm going to go do it myself. He found a niche where basically he said, okay, these power tools are selling for 250 bucks on eBay. I can sell them for 300 on Amazon. He built a script to basically help run that system and did many, many thousands and thousands and thousands of units uh, across many different industries, power tools, DVD, cassette players, etc. cetera. Uh, then some policy changes happened on Amazon. He had to basically shut that down because he didn't want to deal with the additional complexity now building a consulting business called austin data solutions here in austin texas alex thank you for taking us to the top thank you nathan it's been a pleasure